Hello everybody and welcome to the newest edition of Hooked on Sports. My name is John Flynn and thank you so very much for joining me as always. So I was going to release my newest podcast on Wednesday, but I have to accel- I had to accelerate things by a couple of days because of of what was going on yes what happened yesterday and the tragedies that happened concerning Kobe Bryant. So I just want to uh, say this about Kobe Bryant and I'll get into a couple of other things after I discuss the Kobe Bryant and what he meant. But but here here is what happened yesterday. So the the tragic event of yesterday really with Kobe Bryant have left basketball and in, in in essence Americana stunned in disbelief. And I before I begin I want to send the Bryant family, the Lakers and the NBA my thoughts and prayers as the sport and sport in general lost a really big icon. And if any word I think described Kobe Bryant in its essence, I would have to say it's authentic. Kobe Bryant arrived in Los Angeles as a 18-year-old in a city of stars, a town of lights, and a palace of opportunity to make a difference to somebody here and there. But what what transpired during his 20 years in the NBA and his 17 plus years as a father defines the authenticity. His world-famous fadeaway shot that defined a generation of Americana wasn't just about skill, nor was it about the stat sheet. It was something more profound than just the difference he made to five championship teams in the 2000s. It was more about the dedication Kobe put into the game, on and off the court, that really paired him with greatness. So, he transcended the game of basketball in a way that facilitates emotion within the game, as was evident throughout the the league on Sunday night, where teams began the game taking 8-second backcourt violations or 24-second shot clock violations. It was evident. Kobe Bryant appealed to a generation of basketball fans through emulating what it took to be a winner. Physically and mentally tough, didn't stop being his best self night in and night out, he fought until the battle was won, the, the war was over, and in a city of stars, a town of lights, he shined the brightest in that palace of opportunity. It helped that he represented the Laker brand, which had as bright of a spotlight and as big a following as any sports team in any league anywhere around the world. It always felt like a different NBA game when Kobe Bryant took center stage. And a lot of conversation in Los Angeles, a lot of conversation in in the basketball world for, for the last 25 or so years revolved around Kobe Bryant because of his presence, which, which was to be demanded. People demand greatness. And I want to see, uh, and they wanted to see someone continually perform because it creates a story that it makes people talk about things. For 20 years, Kobe was that story. That's why even the most casual sports fan 
that felt the presence of Kobe Bryant. That's why even the casual sports fans took the social media and paid their respects to Kobe Bryant. But that was part of how basketball has appealed to millennials and post-millennials. Such as a time where a sports-oriented, I should say a star-oriented sport needed the shining light after the breakup of Michael Jordan's Bulls in the 90s. Kobe had all of the tools I believe it took to be, to be great and then some, which allowed the then 21-year-old in 1999 to be authentic in winning his first championship for the Lakers and then some. He got better as the attention got bigger. And as a result, basketball fans found it easy to follow the Lakers, and he made the spotlight brighter for his teammates. But what about the teams and fan bases? Um, in a sports world, now that parity reigns supreme, players going from different teams, stars going from different teams as a result of free agency, although, although parity isn't as evident in basketball as it is baseball, football, and hockey, it's not easy to find a team that can yield sustained success for a longer window of time. But when Jordan's Bulls broke up in 1998 after winning its sixth championship in the 90s, fans thought like a run like this would never happen again, except maybe for a franchise like the Lakers, which had the resources to field championship caliber teams at the time. And surely enough, that's what Kobe's Lakers did. And we saw a, kind of a repeat of that when the Golden State Warriors went to five consecutive NBA Finals and they won three championships. But we saw a repeat of that a little bit to end the last decade. And that greatness also showed in the rave reviews Team USA re received in the Beijing Olympics 12 years ago. And where Kobe Bryant resurrected Team USA out of the embarrassment of Athens four years earlier in front of the NBA's most popular pad across America. Many of the players who will compete in the Tokyo Olympics this summer have felt Kobe's presence, have viewed him as a role model, have emulated Kobe's authenticity, and have seen how the intangibles and superlatives have extracted each other over the course of Kobe's extraordinary life. And in fact, in spite of the spotlight, he didn't feel the pressure. He applied the pressure, winning with his own game, using his own skills, using his own talents to win, and especially the, his world-famous mama mentality. Winning five championships isn't a fluke, guys. And Colby's role is front and center in all of them. But what he did off the court, and how he valued his four daughters, was what endeared Kobe Bryant to this generation of Americans, who might not have seen Kobe Bryant play basketball, but, but have seen Kobe Bryant through social media and through other forms of communication between person to person. He never wanted to conform himself to society and the standards that are set. He used his passion of basketball to innovate this generation that, that how great he was wearing number 8 and number 24 for 20 seasons. And he was seen front court with his daughters, explaining all the ins and outs of the game. And his daughter Gianna was one of them, 
who was in that helicopter crash that faithfully ended their lives. He wanted to, and she wanted to emulate his father's game. He was, she was poised for going to UConn. She was poised on being the next big thing in the WNBA. Kobe groomed her to be the, to be the brand of Bryant basketball, and to, that would be relevant for future generations of Americans. As the tragedy of Kobe Bryant's death became worse for the loss of Gianna or Gigi, as they call her. And she leaves her three sisters behind, and it's it's hard to imagine what what they're going through right now. But finally, in a nation that was founded on on religious freedom, in a nation that allows religious freedom, Kobe's life was formulated through his faith, his Catholic faith, in fact, to heal him from the divisions that played Kobe's biggest challenges off the court. Remember, guys, his life wasn't perfect. No life was perfect. Nobody is perfect. But, but, I, but this is a, a, good, a, a good quote that I found from the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus told his disciples 2,000 years ago. That if you have faith such as a grain of mustard seed, nothing shall be impossible to you. Kobe's devotion to God, even if it was as small as a mustard seed, kept him tied to what he believed in and how determined an athlete he was. In fact, I believe this should be a time where we should reflect on what we've done wrong and how far away we've diverged to what is central to what an American life should be and what the American dream should be. Born to a blue-collar Philadelphia family, a blue-collar city, blue-collar working family place, he utilized that dream to the fullest. He might not have won more championships than Jordan, nor score more points than LeBron. So what should we take away from the life of Kobe Bryant? I'll give you four statements that, to me that describe Kobe Bryant. Number one, he used his talents and abilities to help others. Number two, Kobe wanted to do life the right way, and he used the example of Jesus to teach us how to love one another. Number three, Kobe innovated the body, mind, and soul of a generation. And number four, Kobe Bryant transcended the human condition. Our generation will tell the story of Kobe Bryant, how they were impacted, and the lasting legacy he left basketball behind with. And how he was an ambassador for not just basketball, but for sport. Just like the Baby Boomers did with John Lennon in music after his fateful murder in 1980. No celebrity death in terms of impact, in terms of a level of celebrity status. No death in a celebrity has come close uh, to him since then. But for now... Eternal rest grant upon him, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon him, and may he rest in peace. Amen. So Kobe Bryant's death really overshadowed like a lot, a lot of different things that have been going on this in the sports world. So, so our Super Bowl podcast is gonna go up later in the week, and I'll give you my Super Bowl pick, and and which which I think is gonna be a great game between. Kansas City and San Francisco, but there there are four topics I want to get into uh, this uh, uh, in today's podcast: Zion Williamson, Eli Manning, Luis Rojas, and Nick Castellanos.
And if you watch Zion Williamson on the on Wednesday, that you 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 saw a sight that's gonna be uh, gonna be incredible to uh, to behold, and uh, and everyone felt that Zion Williamson was is gonna be the next big thing. And if you're somebody who uh, who loved Zion Williamson, if you're someone who loved him in Duke, if you're someone who loved him. Um, go going through his back in his days in high school. This this past week was ju was made just for you in watching Zion Williamson take the NBA by storm. Now the results for the team weren't particularly great as as the Spurs found a way to beat the Pelicans after Zion's tremendous fourth quarter run where he scored like 16, 17 points to to give the uh, to have the Pelicans come all the way back and take the lead only to see the Pelicans uh, give it up late. But we've seen greatness, and we just talked about Kobe Bryant's greatness. We've we, we've seen the comparisons with Zion to LeBron and LeBron to Jordan and, and, and everything intertwined with that. But if you saw Zion Williamson... This was uh, this is a sight to behold, and the first three quarters uh, he played weren't great uh, as a result of, of of him missing some shots and also not getting the playing time. But this is exactly what the Pelicans envisioned when they drafted Zion Williamson: have a young team around him, have a young team learn and grow and and nourish together and bond together. And Zion Williamson is going to be the star of of that fan base, the star of that franchise, and maybe one of the star, maybe the star of the NBA, uh, when, uh, when LeBron retires, when, uh, when KD retires, when Steph Curry retires, but, but Zion didn't look great the, this week, but the stats he put up, they're just insane. He had 21 points and 11 rebounds, uh, his first career double-double the other day, yeah, he he had 22 points in 18 minutes in his NBA debut. I can't wait to see Zion on his A game, but we've seen him be on uh, not be on his uh, A game and on his A game, and and the hype is real, folks. The hype for surrounding Zion Williamson was real. Now Zion needs to stay healthy as as he missed the first three months of the season because of an injury. But Zion is destined for greatness. Now, topic number three of this podcast, Eli Manning. And and the, the stats might might not might not tell you, like the averages per game might not tell you exactly what Eli was all about. But when you when you look at look at three things. One, his clutches, two, his durability, and three his behavior off the field. Um, that that tells you all you need to know about Eli Manning. Eli Manning took uh, took uh, the belief in and what uh, what the Manning generation, what the Manning family believed in, and took it into motion for the, for the big for the biggest NFL media market, in New York City, and. So, and he might, and he might, he might, might have only won playoff games in two seasons, but he was eight and four lifetime in the playoffs. That he, that he beat Tom Brady's Patriots twice in the Super Bowl. And if it wasn't for Eli Manning, Brady is, uh, is undisputedly the greatest quarterback of all time. Brady would have won eight championships. 
But that, but that wasn't a, a part, part of what Eli was all about. That Eli personified what the New York sports icon was during during his 15, 16 year NFL career. That all that all the media that that he handled everything right. That you know he knew what you know, he knew exactly how to be a leader. He knew exactly. So how to how to innovate the team to win championships? He uh, he you know, he wanted to do life the right way, just like we talked about earlier with Kobe Bryant, and Eli Manning uh, approved his elite status. And you and when you look at the story of the Manning generation, when you look at the story of the Patriots, when you look at the story of the Giants, everything sets out for Eli to be a Hall of Famer. That that. 366 touchdown passes, over 57,000 passing yards, the ball for top 10 all time. But Eli Manning wanted to uh, wanted to do everything what he wanted, to, uh, everything his way, and it's fit it's fitting that that Wellington Mara told Eli all those years back before his death that once a giant, always a giant, and for Eli's case. It was only a giant. Yeah, he he is going to be a he's going he should be a Hall of Famer. I think he will get into hall, to the Hall of Fame because of the stories that people um people have told about the legend of Eli Manning and how he led the Giants to two unexpected Super Bowl championships. And th- there are fans out there that that will say that it was not a fluke, and it was not a fluke. People tell you other people tell you. It was a fluke because Elon Manning only won playoff games in two different seasons. But when you but the off the field uh, things are tremendous. He won NFL the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year award in 2016, and he, and he really t- t- took everything to what an NFL legend is supposed to be: toughness, durability, clutchness, everything to find Eli Manning. Now we're going on to a little bit of baseball news. Now a couple, and we're going to focus on two big things in in baseball. As the Mets announced that they that Luis Rojas will be the newest manager of the New York Mets after after a brief search after the team fired Carlos Beltran as their as their manager in the wake of the. Houston Astros cheating scandal. The Astros and the Red Sox have still yet to find their managers for 2020 and beyond. So, so what? Does, so what does this tell you? That Luis Luis Vojas has been in the Mets organization for many, many years. That he's revered and respected by the players. That the players are going to play for him in 2020. So, but I think it would have been if we the Mets. Uh, this was an avoidable problem. But somehow, some way, even though the Mets were 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 reeled in on something they didn't do, I actually think they made something good out of it. That that Rojas, I believe, would have been a better manager than Beltran at the, at this point. But the uh, but the Mets so re- really put a sight to behold with Rojas and the way he so he talked and chatted with the fans on Saturday at FanFest. And the and and the and the way he felt authentic and the way he the way he was his own self during the introductory press conference and 
I thought Brody Van Wagenen made a couple of, 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 of valid points in in terms of, of the situation at hand. But but if the if the Mets want want wanted to win, I think it would have been better if they hired Joe Girardi. And, and granted, they they have they have strengths uh, at in starting pitching, even with the loss of Zach Wheeler. And in in terms of the lineup, a little bit uh, with McNeil, Alonzo, Conforto, J.D. Davis, and Rosario, and others. But the Mets need uh, need to uh, to look at the at the picture here. It's going it's not going to be easy for the for the Mets to make the playoffs next uh, this season with with all the te- with eleven different teams thinking that they have a chance to uh, to be in the playoffs and only five spots available for said teams. But it, uh, but it we, you can't you how can you not dislike Luis Bojas at this point so. So Luis Rojas will be the manager of the Mets in 2020. That he has the connections with the with Felipe Alou and Moises Alou. I'm gonna be fascinated to see how he manages the Mets in 2020. And finally, one more thing to talk about uh, on on this podcast is the the news that broke this morning that the Reds agreed to, to a deal with. Former Cubs and former Tigers outfielder Nick Castellanos on a four-year, sixty-four million-dollar deal, and this is uh, and this will instantly boost the uh, the Cincinnati lineup, which I thought was dreadful last year, and and the and the Reds add added outfield help with Ikama from Japan. They added Mike Bustakis in free agency. They added now they add Nick Castellanos. Now you. Add that with Joey Vando, Eugenio Suarez, and uh, and every everything around that. I think when you when you pair up the uh, the lineup with the starting pitching the team is capable of putting out this year, I think the Cincinnati is going to be going to be a real as a realistic opportunity to go ahead and win the National League Central Division, and and com- compete with a team like the Braves and the Dodgers. Or the Nationals in in the National League when you when you look at teams that can go to the World Series, I think Cincinnati is 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 in a prime position uh, to have to have a, a potential World Series run in them in the next few years. But we're gonna we're gonna see what what type of product the Reds put out in 2020, and it's gonna be fascinating to watch the Cincinnati Reds this year. And that's gonna do it for this edition of Hooked on Sports, and and it's it's a couple of days earlier than I would have liked, but we we're gonna have our Super Bowl preview show, preview and prediction show, uh, coming up later this week. I'm gonna try for Friday or Saturday for for that. So until then, I am John Flynn saying so so long and have a great day and have a great week, and rest in peace, Kobe Bryant.